A young man was walking through a supermarket to pick up a few things, and he noticed an old lady following him around. Uh, at first, he didn't think too much of it. He just continued on his way. Uh, finally, when he got to the uh, checkout um, uh, uh, registers, this lady slipped in front of him, and she said, uh, pardon me, I'm sorry my staring has probably made you feel uncomfortable. You just remind me a lot of my son who passed away recently. Well, the young man looked at her and said, uh, you know, I'm so sorry to hear that. And, you know, if there's anything I can do to help you, please tell me. And she said, well, actually there is. If you wouldn't mind, and I, I know this probably sounds a little crazy, but when I leave the store, could you just holler and wave at me and, and say, goodbye, mom? And he said, absolutely, I'd be happy to do that. So she had her groceries scanned and checked out, and she made her way away from the register towards the door. And so he looked at her, and he waved at her, and he hollered, and he said, goodbye, mom. Well, after that, he... Um, waited the uh, gal at the register, uh, rang up his, all of his items, and she said, that'll be $250. And he said to her, how can that be $250? I, I only have a, a few items. She said, well, yeah, but your mother said that you were going to pay for hers as she left. The moral of that story is that uh, some goodbyes hurt more than others. That's because when it comes to people, navigating around people can, can be quite something. Because we have to maneuver between the influence of people and the impact of people. We have to maneuver between uh, the pain of people and the problems of people. Uh, we have to maneuver between the good and the evil. And yet we do so because people matter. People matter because they bear the image of God. People matter because they're the only living creatures on this earth that can love and that can be loved. They matter because we were created for community. And no matter how much we have, without community, we have nothing. They matter because they matter to God. This morning, we're going to look at uh, Paul's last chapter in the book of Romans. So this is kind of a goodbye uh, to a study that we've been involved in almost uh, most of this church year. And I, I have to tell you, it was a bit uh, ironic this week uh, preparing for this message, particularly in a time where we're living in so social isolation. Because in this chapter, Paul spends the majority of his time greeting people, passing on his greetings. In fact, in the letter, he greets over 27 people. And not only does he greet them, but he says that when you're together to meet one another with a holy kiss. Uh, now, I don't know how the governor would probably feel about us doing that at this time. Um, we can check on it, but I suspect it's frowned upon. 
But Paul lists all of these people because as he's closing out his letter, he wants them to know that they matter. They matter to him. They matter to God. And this whole letter has been about the grace of God and how much people matter that he bestowed his grace upon them. As we look at this passage, we're going to see the names of people. We're going to see relationships. But one of the things that we're going to see in this uh, passage, uh, one of the things that I think is an important principle to hold on to is this. As followers of Christ, we are to be friend makers for the right reasons and in the right ways. As followers of Christ, we are to be friend makers for the right reasons and in the right ways. As we go through these verses, you're going to see all of these incredible friends, all these incredible relationships that Paul had, how he made them, how he came upon them, and why they matter so much. The right reasons and the right ways. Making friends for the right reasons. Which means that we don't make friends for ourselves. We don't make friends to advance ourselves in position or power. We don't make friends because we've figured out what they bring to the table for us personally. We make friends for the right reasons. And the right reasons is to follow the ministry of Christ. To bring light into the darkness. To bring salvation to the midst of self-destruction. To bring hope to hopelessness and peace to restlessness. We make friends for the right reasons. And we do it in the right way. We do it through love. We do it by putting the needs of others before us. That's what this letter has been about. It has been about showing us God's love and extending his grace to us. That we might live no longer in self-destruction, but in salvation. That we might not just walk around as people with their heads bowed down because we're fallen. Instead, we get to walk around free because we're forgiven. Paul was a person who demonstrated the power of making friends. He was a person who showed the power of the love of Christ to join people together. In this passage, we're going to see how to navigate ourselves amidst people while trying to make friends. To make friends for ourselves for the right reasons and the right ways, which means to make friends for the kingdom of God. As we look at this passage, I've broken it down into four sections just so that we can keep a handle on it. And the first section uh, comes right out of verses 1 through 13. And I call it people you look up to. People you look up to. Uh, 
As Paul begins the passage, and we can put those on the screens for you, Paul says this, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Chacharia. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a benefactor of many people, including me. This woman Paul speaks of, Phoebe, a deacon. The word deacon or deaconess means to be a servant. Phoebe was a person to be looked up to because she was a servant. She was a person who traveled on her own as a woman, going around and serving the churches, going around and being a benefactor, using her resources, probably her financial wealth, to help and to make a difference in the lives of others. People we look up to are people like that. I've known a number of people who have just extended themselves in ways to folks in the body of Christ that are incredible, who have given their time, who have given their money. I've watched people who will give anonymously to others who are struggling. Some of you are probably doing that now in the midst of this time. I spoke to a couple about a week ago who are fairly well off, and they made a list of people that they knew were going to be economically impacted during this time. Some of the people on the list owned restaurants. And so they went out and they bought gift certificates from those restaurants because they wanted to make sure that they'd be okay. They went and saw piano teachers that weren't teaching anymore, but they gave money to them just to kind of pay ahead. That's what it means to be someone that others can look up to. And that's who Phoebe was. She was that kind of woman. Um, she was a woman who was, as Paul said, worthy of respect. It's great to have those people in your lives. And I can just imagine it must have been great for Paul as he lists these 27 people and seven of which were women. He begins with this woman and says, wow, what a model. What a person to look up to. We see through this passage that the people that Paul looks up to, it doesn't matter to him whether they're male or female. It doesn't matter to him whether they're Greek or uh, whether they're Jew. It doesn't matter to him uh, whether they're sitting in high positions or just sitting on the sidelines. He looks up to them because they live in a manner that is worthy of Christ. Uh, when we continue down the list, he says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me, for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Um, we know that Aquila and Priscilla were, were some very special people. They took Paul in um, when Paul was in Corinth. They gave him a place to stay and they risked their lives. In fact, uh, Priscilla and Aquila had uh, fled from Rome when the Jews were expelled by the Emperor Claudius um, because they had opened their home to the Christians of the time. And they did the same in Corinth. Paul greeted them and he 
he looked up to them. He remembered their graciousness to him, but not only to him, to all the churches. We look up to people for what they do for us. We look up to people for what they do for others in the body of Christ. He goes on and lists others. He says, greet also, uh, we can go to the next slide, verse 6. Um, greet my dear friend Epentus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Uh, greet Adronicus and Juna, my fellow Jews, who have been in prison with me. Now, when he says my fellow Jews, we think he means more than just that. We think he's referring to folks who are relatives to him. But they were people who were willing to go to jail with him. For anyone who's ever served in the military or the police department or in any kind of job where you put your life on the line, you remember dearly those people who stood beside you, those people who experienced uh, combat, who experienced pain, who experienced uh, times of fearfulness, who are willing to muster up their courage and stand alongside of you as you stood alongside of them. These folks that Paul lifts up are people, he says, that were willing to go to prison with him. Paul goes on and he says, uh, Greet Amphilitus, my, uh, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Abanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my friend Testashi. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test of time. Greet also those who belong to the house of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Can you imagine having those kind of people in your life? Having that many people to look up to? How do you, how do you find people like that? I think it begins by being a person like that. I tell people all the time, if you want to build quality relationships, you can't just be another face in the crowd. You have to be willing in your conduct, in your faith, in your convictions, to have your head above the crowd. Because it's only those who have the, their heads above the crowd that can see those who have their heads above the crowd, who can see people who have a quality to them that is blessed by God and used by God to want to be a person like that. And when I was going through this list this past week, I kept thinking, what a full life. Because that's what a full life is all about. It's a life made up of people. It's a life made up of relationships. It's a life where we can love and be loved and we can serve and be served, where we can know and be known. It's the kind of life that Paul enjoyed because he had people to look up to. He goes on and he says, and if I got to stop, it's interesting when he says, greet those in the household of narcissists. Uh, poor narcissist because um, uh, if he lived in our day, that name probably wouldn't go too well. But it, it is interesting that Paul lifts him up as a person uh, to look up to where in our day today, we take that name as a person um, who only looks out for themselves. 
I would say to you, be a narcissist, but not in the way that we think of. Uh, being a narcissist in the way in which we turn it around and we think of others first. Uh, Paul says, verse 12, greet uh, to, uh, to, fry, to find me. Uh, I'll, I'll get to, to Fina and Tefosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my uh, dear friend Perseus, another woman who worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord and his mother, who has been a mother to me. Talk about the fullness. You know, it's interesting. We can come from households with parents who weren't great parents. We can come from household from parents who were abusive parents, neglectful parents. But the body of Christ is like a family. And I can say it in my own life. There have been folks in my life who have loved me like a mother, like a father. Folks who have treated me like a brother and a sister. Folks that I look up to and will always look up to. Paul goes on in verses 17 and 20 and he does something different. He not only talks about people to look up to, but he talks about people to look out for. Look at what he says in verse 17. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about, well, let's just back up a minute. What is he calling them to be mindful of? What is he calling them to look out for? He says, look out for those who cause divisions. Look out for those who kind of worm their way into relationships, into the body of Christ, and cause divisions by bringing doubt on other people, uh, by spreading rumors, by misrepresenting others, by gossiping. It's easy to spread division because we're still sinners and deep down inside of us there is still a divisive nature that we have got to keep in check i tell people all the time take people as you find them don't take them as others would misalign them take them as you find them and even if you find them at times in a way in which they're acting differently than they normally do, don't judge them in a moment. But there are those who build up pathologies, who build up patterns, who build up lifestyles where all they do is bring division, all they do is bring destruction. And Paul says, watch out for these people because they're out there and they'll always be out there they'll be out there to rip apart relationships they'll be out there to rip apart families and paul says we have to be wise 
while we have to be loving and not suspicious, we do have to be wise. Those who cause divisions, those who create obstacles, those who would make it hard for us, those who would have us live in fear, those who would get us to believe that things are harder than what they are, or that would paint scenarios of situations where the power of God isn't present. He says, watch out for those who cause divisions. Watch out for those who create obstacles. He says, watch out for those who contradict the truth. Watch out for those who spread heresies. For those who take the gospel and distort it. For those who take the gospel and try to make it light and easy to swallow by getting away from anything that might be uncomfortable. The truth of the gospel is very simple. The gospel is there to comfort the afflicted, but it's also there to afflict the comfortable. The gospel is there to tell us that God loves us, but the gospel is there to also remind us that there's still sin within us, that there lies before us forks in the road, Forks that allow us to be able to live in the light and the abundance of Christ or forks that can take us down the wrong roads in which we believe the wrong things. And when we believe the wrong things about God, we'll believe the wrong things about others. And we'll believe the wrong things about ourselves. Paul says, look out for those who cause divisions. Look out for those who create obstacles. Look out for those who contradict the truth. He says, look out for those who care about themselves, who only care about their own appetites, who come in and seek to distort and to divide so that the end, they either build their reputation or they deplete our resources. Paul says, look out for those who care only about themselves. And then he says, look out for those who charm the naive. Look out for those who flatter you, who try to make you feel good, who build you up in ways that it's just hot air, who build you up for things that you don't do or for things that you know aren't real about you but feel good when others brag on you in a way that make you look bigger than others. Because that's what flattery is all about. Flattery is when I try to make you feel special to the point of even being better than others. And the truth is, there is not a one of us who is better than any other. He says, look out for these people because they destroy relationships. You've probably seen it in your own life. Uh, People who have come and who have spread rumors and caused you to look differently, to look with suspicion at people that you cared about and you loved. Uh, People who made you doubt yourself or doubt others. People who tried to share with you another viewpoint of scripture that that seemed um, easy to accept, easy to take, but 
somehow deep down inside you just knew it wasn't right. People who you could tell as much as they seemed to care about you, they were still all about themselves. People who would charm you and flatter you. Paul says, watch out for these people. He goes on and says in verse 19, everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Why do I encourage you to read your Bibles? Because it's the only way you'll know what is good and what is innocent. What is right and what is evil. It's the only way I can know. I spend time counseling with people during the week. And it would be very easy for me to just be subjective and say, well, you know, if that's your experience, if that's your reality, if that's your truth. But I'd have nothing to offer. And if I just offered my opinions, that wouldn't be worth anything. It's knowing what's right, but that's a responsibility that each and every one of us has. It's a responsibility to our relationships. If I truly love you, if I truly care about you, then I have to know what is right and what is good if I'm going to be a blessing to you. He says this, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. He's saying, watch out for these people. But don't live in suspicion. Yeah, know what is right and avoid what is wrong. But don't live in fear that somehow you'll be overpowered by evil. That somehow it, it, it will be too hard for you to do what's right. It'll be too hard for you to do what is good. Paul says, just remember, God will dispatch Satan and he will dis dispatch all of those that he has sent to disrupt you. We are to know who to look up to and we are to know who to look out for. Thirdly, sa Paul says in verses 21 through 24, we are to know the people we look for. The people that we look for, the people around us. The, the people who make that impact on our lives in such a way that we couldn't minister without them. The people who make things possible, the people who sacrifice for us. Look what Paul says. Verse 21, Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings to you as do Lucius, Jason, and Sopiter, my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoys, sends you his greetings. Just think about that for a second. All these people that Paul depended upon. Uh, Tertius, who did the writing because we know Paul had a problem with his eyesight, with his vision. And so he needed a scribe to take things down. Um, Lucius, Jason, Jason, and Sepatifer, uh, people who were fellow Jews and 
possibly even relatives to him, but who traveled with him, who stuck with him. Gaius, who opened up his house to him, who gave him hospitality. His ministry wouldn't have taken place without these people. These are the people that we look for around us because they're the people who support us. Even now as I speak to you, I've got Andreas Jr. in the back who's responsible for the filming of this, who has spent just about all day today trying to make sure this goes off uh, without a hitch. And, you know, he's dealing with me, so he's got his hands full. But they're the people that we rely upon. There are people in your life that you rely upon. They're the relationships that you know. Nothing goes on in your life without them. It's your children, it's your wife, it's, it's your close friends, it's your pastors, your teachers. It's those within the body of Christ that are there for you, that have always been there for you to make sure that you can go forward. People we look up to, people we have to look out for, and the people that we look for that we need every single day to help us just to do our part. Verse 25 through 27. We're skipping a few, but I want you to look at these lastly because Paul talks about people God looks favorably upon. Listen to what we hear. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. He brings all of it to an end and he says, remember to look for the God who looks to bless people. Uh, he says the God who establishes us. In fact, in the vis- in, in, he talks about the mystery of the revel- prophetic re- revelation that God made bef- before ages uh, that it came to pass. He's talking about the mystery of God's program of uniting the Jews and the Gentiles together. Of bringing people together. The mystery of bringing relationships together. The mystery of bringing people who have nothing in common with one another. Economically, philosophically, educationally. And yet bringing them together even while their personalities don't match. But he's able to work out this mystery because in Christ and the love of Christ we learn to drop all of that. As we move closer to, closer to Christ we move closer to one another. The God who establishes us. The God who makes the invisible visible. The God who makes the impossible possible. The God who makes the guilty innocent. 
and the God who makes the powerless powerful. The God who takes us and establishes us and makes us like his son. Came across a little ditty I thought I'd share with you in closing. It goes like this. Some go to church to laugh and talk. Some there go there to walk the walk. Some go to church to meet a friend and some go there an hour to spend. Some go there to find a bride and some go there a fault to hide. Some go to church to celebrate and some go to church to agitate. Some go to church to doze and nod. But the wise go to be one and give thanks to God. I love that. Listen. Just remember, while we're apart, we're not separate. We're in each other's hearts. Because we are one in Christ. While we seek to be careful during this time let us not forget that God is not incapable there is no virus that can circumvent God's will for your life and for my life let me read to you from John chapter 10 John writes these words of Jesus. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. And I and the Father are one. Jesus is saying, I've got you. I've got you right in my hand. And the Father has got you right in his hand. And we're both one. And we both have you. And there is no virus that can frustrate or thwart God's will for you. There is nothing that will happen to you that God hasn't ordained and whatever he has ordained it's not just for his glory it's for your good which is his glory. And now may God bless you and keep you. May God lift up his countenance and give you his peace. May you go and portray his image in this world. And to him who is able. To keep you from falling. And to prevent you before his throne. Unstained. To Jesus be all glory, majesty, power and authority. Now and forevermore. Amen.